Chapter Thirty Nine of the Night Horseman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Night Horseman by Max Brand. Chapter Thirty Nine. The Storm. When they rode out of the town, the wet sand squashed under the feet of their horses, and splashed up on their riding boots and their slickers. It even spotted their faces here and there and a light brown spray darted out to right and left of the falling hoofs. For all the streets of Elkhead were running shallow rivers, with dark, swift currents, and when they left the little town, the landscape was shut out by the falling torrents. It made a strange and shifting panorama, for the rain varied in its density now and again, and, as it changed, hills which had been quite blotted out leaped close upon them, like living things, and then sprang back again into the mist. So heavy was that tropical fall of water that the horses were bothered by the beating of the big drops and shook their heads and stamped fretfully under the ceaseless bombardment. Indeed, when one stretched out his hand, the drops stung him, as if with lashes of tiny whips. There was no wind, no thunder, no flash of lightning, only the tremendous downpour, which blended earth and sky in a drab, swift river. The air was filled with parallel lines, as in some pencil drawings, not like ordinary rain, but as if the sky had changed into a vast watering spout, and was sending down a continuous flood from a myriad holes. It was hard to look up through the terrific downpour, for it blinded one and whipped the face and made one breathless. But now and again a puff of the rare wind would lift the sodden brim of the sombrero, and then one caught a glimpse of the low-hanging clouds, with the nearest whiff of black mist dragging across the top of a hill. Without noticeable currents of wind, the mass of clouds was shifting slowly, with a sort of rolling motion, across the sky, and the weight of the rain forced the two to bend their heads and stare down to where the face of the earth was alive with the gliding brown waters, whose surface was thrashed into a continual foam. To speak to each other through the uproar, they had to cup their hands about their lips and shout. Then again the rainfall around them fell away to a drizzling mist, and the beating of the downpour sounded far away, and they were surrounded by distant walls of noise. So they came to the McDuffie place. It was a helpless ruin, long abandoned. Not an iota of the roof remained. The sheds for the horses had dropped to the earth, but the walls of the house still remained standing, in part, with the empty windows looking out with a mocking promise of the shelter which was not within. Upon this hollow shack the rain beat with redoubled fury, and even before they could make out the place through the blankets of rain, they heard the hollow drumming for there were times, oddly enough, when any sound would carry a great distance through the crashing of the rain. A wind now sprung up, and at once veered the rain from its perpendicular fall. It slashed them in the face under the drooping brims of their sombreros, so they drew into the shelter of the highest part of the standing wall. Still, some of the rain struck them, but the major part of it was shunted over their heads. Moreover, the wall acted as a sort of sounding board, 
catching up every odd noise from the storm-beaten plain beyond. They could speak to each other now, without effort. "'Do you think?' asked Haw Haw Langley, pressing his reeking horse a little closer to Mac Strann. "'That he'll come out after us in a rain like this?' But simple-minded Mac Strann lifted his head and peered through the thick curtains of rain. "'Do you think,' he parried, that Jerry could maybe look through all this and see what I'm doing today. It made Haw Haw Langley grin, but peering more closely and observing that there was no mockery in the face of the giant, he wiped out his grin with a scrubbing motion of his wet hand and peered closely into the face of his companion. There ain't no doubt of it, he answered reassuringly. He'll know what you do, Mac. What was it that pale Annie said to you? Wanted me not to meet Barry. Said that Barry had once cleaned up a gang of six. And here we are, only two. You ain't gonna fight, warned Max Strand sharply. It'll be man to man, Haw Haw. But he might not notice that, cried Haw Haw. And he caressed his scrawny neck, as though he already felt fingers closing about his windpipe. Him being used to fight crowds, Mac. Did you think of that? I never asked you to come, responded Max Strand. "'Mac!' cried Haw Haw in a sudden alarm. "'Suppose you wasn't to win. "'Suppose you wasn't able to keep him away from me.' "'The numb lips of Mac Strand sprawled into an ugly smile, "'but he made no other answer. "'You don't think you'll lose,' hurried on Haw Haw. "'But neither did them six that Pale Annie was talking about, most like. "'But they did. They lost. "'But if you lose, what'll happen to me?' "'There ain't no call for you to stay here,' said Mac Strand, with utter indifference. Haw Haw answered quickly, "'I wouldn't go. I wouldn't miss it for nothing. "'Ain't I come all this way to see it? I mean to help. "'Would I fall down on you now, Mac? No, I wouldn't.' And twisting those bony fingers together, he burst once more into that rattling, unhuman laughter, which all the three bees knew so well and dreaded as the dying dread the sight of the circling buzzard above. "'Stop laughing!' cried Max Strand with sudden anger. "'Damn you! Stop laughing!' The other peered upon Max Strand with incredulous delight, his broad mouth gapping to that thirsting grin of enjoyment. "'You ain't getting nervous, Mac,' he queried, and thrust his face closer to make sure. "'You ain't bothered, Mac. You ain't doubting how this'll turn out.' There was no answer, and so he replied to himself, "'I know what done it to you. I seen it myself. It was that yellow light in his eyes, Mac. My God, it come up there out of nothing, and it wasn't a light that ought to come into no man's eyes. It was like I woke up at night with a cold weight on my chest and found two snakes' eyes glittering close to my face. Makes me shivery like, just to think of it now. Do you notice that, Mac?' I'm tired of talking, said Max Strand hoarsely. Damn tired. And so saying, he swung his great head slowly around and glared at Haw Haw. The latter shrank away with an undulatory motion in his saddle. And when the head of Max Strand turned away again, the broad mouth began gibbering. It's getting him like it done me. He's scared, scared, scared. Even Max Strand. He broke off. For Max Strand had jerked up his head and said in a strangely muffled voice, What was that? The bullet head of Haw Haw Langley leaned to one side 
and his glittering eyes rolled up while he listened. Nothing, he said. I don't hear nothing. Listen again, cried Max Strand in that same cautious voice, as of one whispering in the night in the house of the enemy. It's like a voice in the wind. It comes down the wind. Do you hear now? 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 It was indeed the faintest of faint sounds when Haw Haw caught it. It was in the roar of the rain, as indistinct as some distant light on the horizon, which may come from either a rising star or from the window of a house. But it had a peculiar quality of its own, even as the house light would be tinged with yellow when the stars are cold and white. A small and distant sound, and yet it cut through the crashing of the storm more and more clearly. Someone rode through the rain, whistling. "'It's him,' gasped Haw Haw Langley. "'My God, a mighty Mac, he's whistling. It ain't possible.' He reined his horse closer to the wall, listening with mouth agap. He shrilled suddenly. "'What if he should hit us both, seeing us together?' There ain't no heart in a fellow that can whistle in a storm like this. But Mac Strann had lowered his head, bulldog-like, and now he listened and thrust out his blunt jaw farther and farther and returned no answer. God, give me the grit to stick it out, begged Haw Haw Langley, in an agony of desire. God, let me see how it comes out. God, let me watch em fight. One of em's gonna die. Maybe two of em. Nothing like it has ever been seen. The rain shifted, and the heart of the storm rolled far away. For the moment, they could look far out across the shadow-swept hills, and out of the heart of the desolate landscape, the whistling ran thrilling upon them. It was so loud and close that of one accord the two listeners jerked their heads about and stared at each other, and then turned their eyes as hastily away as though terrified by what they had seen, each in the face of the other. It was no idle tune, which they heard whistled. It was the rising, soaring paean of delight. It rang down upon the wind. It cut into their faces like drops of the rain. It branded itself like freezing cold into their foreheads. And then, upon the crest of the nearest hill, Haw Haw Langley saw a dim figure through the mist, a man on a horse, and something else running in front. And they came swiftly. "'It's the wolf that's running us down,' screamed Haw Haw Langley. "'Oh, God Almighty, even if we was want to run, the wolf would come and pull us down. Mac, will you save me? Will you keep the wolf away?' He clung to the arm of his companion, but the other brushed him back with a violence which almost unseated Haw Haw. "'Keep offin' me,' growled Max Strann, because when you touch me, it feels like something dead was next to my skin. Keep offin' me. Haw Haw dragged himself back into the saddle with effort, for it was slippery with rain, his face convulsed with something black as hate. It ain't long you'll do that ordering and be so free with your hands. He's coming soon, Mac. I'd like to stay. I'd like to see the finish. He stopped his buzzard eyes glittering against the face of the giant. The rain blotted out the figure of the coming horseman, and at the same instant the whistling leaped close upon them. 
It was as if the whistling man had disappeared at a place where the rain swallowed his form and had taken body again at their very side. Max Strand shrank back against the wall, bracing his shoulders, and gripped the butts of his guns. But Haw Haw Langley cast a frightened glance on either side, his head making bird-like pecking motions, and then he leaned over the pommel of his saddle with a wail of despair and spurred off into the rain. End of chapter 39